a podcast about amazing people from an incredible state. Amazing Arizonans with Mike Broomhead. Back for another episode of Amazing Arizonans and a very recognizable person, Captain Coyote, Shane Doan. Thanks for doing this. Oh, hey, thanks for having me on. I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this conversation for such a long time. There's so much I think I almost have to fill you in on. I became a hockey fan because of you. (laughs) I didn't know anything about hockey. Grew up in southwest Florida. um, Moved to Arizona. Not two big places known for hockey until you guys came here. But I remember going to games and watching and being such a fan, I went out and bought the gear and started going to stick time, figuring how hard could it be? It's a little harder. It's a little harder than I imagined it was going to be. Um, I thought, you know what, I, I was a speed skater, roller skating when yeah. I was a kid. Oh, yeah. How hard could it be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little, it's, it's a little different. Yeah. But if you can roller skate, you got, you got the general gist of the... That's skating. Yeah. There's a difference between trying to hit a puck yeah. and changing directions that fast. It's part. just it's a, so I know I had a, such a new respect for the game of hockey and I became a fan, a very casual fan, but such a fan of yours. I want to start off with the dichotomy because you know, basketball is a contact sport. Mm-hmm. Hockey's a collision sport. Yeah. <laughs> it's a violent sport. Yes, it is. Um and a lot of things are settled on the ice, and we all know about that's a part of the yep, game. Yep, 100%. But there's a genuine respect for everybody involved. Yeah. You are genuinely one of the nicest people in sports that anybody knows. <laughs> How does that personality match up with the tenacity we saw in the ice? Oh, man. For Well, thank you. And, uh, yeah, um, I you know what? I, I believe this with all my heart, that everything I do, I do heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men. And there's an element of that that... Well, if that's what I'm going to have to do, then that's what I'm going to do. And it's a part of our game. So it's not, I didn't look at it as um, as anything other than that. And I, there's a story I always tell about one of my best friends. I ended up fighting one of my best friends. He actually introduced me to, because of him, I met my wife. And I ended up fighting him on the glass next to my in-laws. My in-laws were sitting on the glass. It was the first game that he'd ever played in Vancouver. And I was playing for the Coyotes and we ended up fighting. And it was out of respect that we fought each other. Like, he ran over one of my teammates. I kind of tapped him. He turned and looked at me, and it was like, are we going to do this? And all of a sudden, you realize, oh, my gosh, we're going to do this. And he's a big man. He's 6'4", and he's a big guy. And um, we ended up fighting. But it was a total respect thing. Like, it wasn't – if he kind of brushed me off and told me uh, I wasn't worth it, then I would have – it would have been a disrespectful thing. So for me, when I played – it was more of a respect thing for the game and for the people that, hey, this is I'm going to go as hard as I can because I think you can beat me, and I'm going to have to try my hardest to beat you. It is such an intense sport from a fan's point of view. <laughs> um, I grew up a football fan, football coach. I love the game of football, but there's a break between every play. It, there's a lot of tension, but there's a break between every play. You can take your eyes off the ice for half a second and miss yeah. the, miss a goal, miss something spectacular. It is that in, is it that intense in the game? Is it always that intense in the game for you? Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I think that's the best part of our game. And the the part I love the most of our game is kind of the beauty and the and the and the rawness and the brutality at the same time of it is it's fluid, it's smooth, it's everything's going good until something a collision like you said happens, and then that intensity that you you live in for the whole time. You get at the beginning of my career, we didn't have commercial breaks, and so it was never. But at commercial breaks, you kind of can be like, okay. They kind of go to their bench. We go to our bench. You have about 90 seconds, three times, uh, three, I guess, 100 seconds, three times, or twice a period, or three times a period. 
where you kind of take a breather. But other than that, even in between, even in between whistles, like you, you take a shot, puck goes in the net, I drive the net, I stop in front, you bump me, I bump you. There's a whistle. It's like, okay, what's going to happen here? Nothing. You're trying to wait and see if there's mm-hmm. anything more than that. And then you go face it, line up, face off. I can take a run at you now. I can, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, And so that part is great. And uh, I love that. That's a, I agree. That's the best part of our game. And from a fan standpoint, because I, I'm big on you win with grace and you lose with dignity, to watch even at the end of a horribly lost series from anybody <laughs> to – to at the end of the series to line up sweaty and sometimes bloody and still make sure everybody shakes hands. That is the I think that's the ultimate respect, and that's what makes the game a lot of fun for me. Yeah, and you know what? It's um, it keeps and it, this sounds kind of weird, but the fighting and the confrontational side of our sport holds you accountable to that. Like if you start to be disrespectful. There's an there's a consequence for it, and so the, I think that's why it kind of goes hand in hand because it's weird. I had at the end of the we lost to L.A. This, the I'm bringing that up next. <laughs> um, I was there. I was there. Oh, I know. And 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 so Dustin Brown and I'd be our friends, and we'd been friends off the ice. I can't. Yeah, I, I can't deal with it. <laughs> and and yet I want to kill him on the ice. Like I on the ice, I can't accept your friends with him. <laughs> so um, I did. I really. Uh, I was a hard. That was a hard series to lose. I probably, for me, I knew that that was as close as I was probably going to get to the playoffs. To everything that happened at that moment, and Browning just wanted to kind of explain to me what happened with the hit that happened right before. And as we're shaking hands, he's like, "Donor, I just want to." I was like, "Not." And all and you I said, said, "Not now." Not right now, Brown. I, I remember it. Yeah, yeah. I remember it. And, and he, I was going to ask you about. <laughs> and he says, "Donor, come on." And I'm like, "Not right now." And then the camera zooms in on me as I'm going, "Not right now." And that's all I'm saying is like, I just got to get through this lineup. I got to shake everyone's hand. And then I realize like, oh man, I was too. I just got to calm down. So then I'm trying to be extra gracious and kind to everyone. But to him at that moment, because we we had been intense and battled against each other, and we both he was our captain and I had been the captain, so it was intense. Um, but the way that ended, so there's a hit. Yeah. The referees don't call it. It's obviously a knee to knee hit. Yes. And I remember you. Do you remember what you did when that call didn't happen and it, the goal was scored? Yeah, I do. Do you remember whacking your stick into the? Yeah, and, I I, did. and because I didn't really know you that well, but I had seen you in so many situations where you had been. You have all. You were always the first guy on the ice, the last guy off the ice. You did every interview. You were always so gracious. That was the angriest I'd ever seen you. Is that the angriest you had been in a game? I couldn't even see straight. Like I couldn't. And so the guy that got hit was Michael Roosevelt. Yeah. And Rosie and I, our boys, had played together. And so Rosie and Oki and uh, Derek Morris and I, we traveled together with our boys. And so I'd got to be really tight with Rosie. Not that you're not tight with all your teammates. I am, but. It was Rosie who was the nicest gentleman, and to see it happen, I just I couldn't get myself to calm down and not to pile on. Right before that, they'd flipped the puck over the glass. Yeah, and there should have been a power play. Right, and the refs missed it, and I was like, "How do you miss that?" And now, how do you miss this? And it kind of piled up, and the intensity of them. And hey, it do was, you ever get an explanation from the referees? Are they as gracious to come in and say we missed a call? Have you, they? Have, do they come in and say that to you? There are some guys that are just, I mean, as gracious as to the point where you're like, after, like I got to work with the league. Uh, Colin Campbell brought me in to work with the league after I'd retired, and I got to meet a bunch of them and got to know them. 
they are guys that love the game and want to do the best job and it's a fast game and they miss it and and there's a few guys that are just so gracious and like, hey, I missed it, Shane. I'm not, I'm not, I didn't do it on purpose. I, I, I didn't see it. If I could have seen it, I would call it. But if I didn't see it, I can't call it. Right. And I appreciate that. And 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 those guys were good. And um, I felt bad because I kind of had a meltdown. Well, wait, but see, here's the thing. I want to take people behind the scenes because I was in the locker room after. Yeah. I had a press pass then. Yeah, yeah. And um, which is really oh. funny because I don't know anything about hockey, yeah. but I just wanted to be in the locker room. So I remember being in the room. And I think the word you used was uncle. I think when you're yeah. angry, you say uncle instead of what you're really thinking. But to now, so this this happens, this hit happens, it doesn't get called. Within seconds after that, they score the game-winning goal on your ice to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. You yeah. got to line up and shake hands. You got to watch them with that trophy in your on your ice. Yeah. Then you got to go in the locker room. Then you got to talk to the media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do you process all of that? Because with all due respect to everybody else in that room, everybody wants to hear from you. Yeah. That was a hard one because on top of it, I was 35, I think-ish at the time, right around there. 36, 35, 36. That was the farthest I'd ever been. And I was, there was a good chance we weren't getting that close again. Like, in my mind at that moment, I thought we were good enough that we'd have another chance maybe a year or two, but it was, I knew that they were, they were getting slimmer and slimmer chances of me having any real... So that was going through my head. All I wanted to do was figure out a way to win a Stanley Cup. And then it was right there, and it got taken. And I I remember walking in there, and I was like, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything. And then as soon as he cracked that door, like, that's the right. problem. Like, as soon as I cracked the door of just let a little emotion out, it was like, oh, no, I can't. Yeah, yeah. The door's open now, and I can't get it back in. Oh, it was one of those weird kind of... How did I get to this moment? And yet, the more I was in the moment, the more that it just kind of started to get right. taken over. And I was trying to calm it down. How long does it take you to get? You're never going to get over it. Mm-hmm. You're still talking about I know. it. But how do you get past it? How long does it take where you are past it? Um, I don't know. I think it's it's one of those things that you kind of have to recognize i struggled at the end of my career with just knowing my career was coming like okay now it's past how do you move past on on certain things um i took it i i started to try to focus on trying to figure out well i what did i learn from this and if i can learn something from this situation then i feel like it's made me a better person going forward then i can move on but if i just dwell on the fact that it hurt me then I'm stuck in that moment. I have to figure out a way that I learned and improved from that person, I guess. That was my goal. And and, and that was the only thing that that could do because I was such a... Anyways, yeah. When you... Um, but, with the, but here's the interesting thing. Much like... And we're going to talk about some of the other great captains in sports around Arizona. But much like Larry Fitzgerald, there was a lot of talk of... Nobody would have blamed Larry at the end of his career if he had gone to a contender to try to win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Nobody would have held it against you in Arizona if you said, I want to go play for a contender to win a cup. Mm-hmm. Everybody would have understood. <laughs> what goes into that decision? Because your longevity here is part of why you're so loved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's your play and who you are. What made you say, nope, I'm either going to do it here, or did you, in your mind, say, I'm either going to do it here or it's not going to happen? At that point, I was pretty <laughs> confident. Um, that summer, there was a I, uh, New York, I talked with New York and Vancouver and Philadelphia, 
quite a bit and a little bit to Toronto um, quite a bit like quite a bit to the other three and I thought about it and I thought we had a chance in Arizona to win obviously we didn't and <laughs> we never did but um, I think though when you become the situation where you kind of have been around a long time you know the management you know the support staff you know the people that are involved you know the commitment the sacrifices they've all made they become you become more responsible I think for the organization than uh, it felt like for me than others in the fact that this was my family like Stan and Tony and Jason Rudy the equipment staff and and then on the on the medical side with uh, Serbs and and, and Ermi and all those guys Jimmy O'Neill and Rick Bronstein and Rich Nairn those are my those are my guys that I do everything with like those are the guys that I I you know I would do everything for and with um the strength and conditioning coaches like those are the guys that I love I didn't want to I wanted to win with them too as much as I wanted to win with my teammates because I seen the sacrifices they made and I think that's when these really start it starts to get hard and I think that's for me it felt like well if we win here it means way more that was kind of the when we have a we have a couple of friends in common but one of them you may not know is my doctor who used to be the team doctor with the Coyotes, Joel Sellers. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he has pictures all over the wall. And I, I had mentioned to him last time I was, saw him that you and I were going to get together. And uh, he always says, I was there when he lost his first chiclet. That's what he calls it. <laughs> and he remembers you being such a young player. Oh. But he, oh. he goes back. When you go back that far with people, yeah, it's got to mean something to still have those relationships years later. It does. Um you, you go start going through the yeah like the people that you get to know and i think it's unique here in the valley in that it's a big city but it's a small city too it is it really is like i especially in the hockey world like that group of people that are fans i bet you i've met just about every coyote fan mm-hmm. like at some point or another i've probably come across every coyote and and I know them. Like they get to know me. Like if they're at the arena and their kids, if their kids play hockey, they've probably come and said. Do hi. you like that? I love it. It's it's unique in the fact that you go to some of the cities in the north that are bigger hockey. There's you go into Chicago. There's forty five different rinks, and the NHL players are at you know two of them. Well, here there's five rinks and the NHL players are at all of them so if you go to a to a to a hockey rink here you're probably going to meet one of the players or see one of the players if you're there in the evening or know someone that knows one of the players really well because that's where they hang out and because of that tight knit I think it's a unique opportunity to really have success and uh, I think it's it's why you're starting to see some guys, some players start to come out of here that are good hockey players. Like obviously, Austin Matthews is a guy that is a flag bearer and kind of carries the name for the the state with with young hockey players and prospects and, and great players. But there's some other guys coming, and it's exciting. People that know professional sports in Arizona, people that know quality, talent, and personalities and character. Um, your name is synonymous with the Larry Fitzgeralds, with, uh, and I know you're friends with Gonzo, um, Steve Nash, and I'm going to leave people out, uh, even Goldschmidt for the yeah. time he spent oh. here with the D-backs. Um, these are names of people that are saying these are easy people to cheer for. When Gonzo was here, I asked him about what he says to young players now that he's the mentor. And he said almost exactly the same thing I've heard you say in the locker room and saying to people, we're privileged to play this game. 
And that's one of the messages he sends is we get to do something that millions of people would love to do. Oh, yeah. What, what is it about that leadership skill that says enjoy the moment, but be appreciative of the moment? Well, uh, the thing that blows me away the most is I think, and uh, Gonzo does it in spades. Gonzo kind of, there's a great, there's a, obviously Charles Barkley and, and KJ and the guys yeah. that were here that they obviously were incredible. But for me and my generation, Gonzo was a guy that set the standard for the way that you were to treat people and be off the ice. Mm-hmm. And then uh, obviously I had players, uh, hockey players with Keith Kachuk and Jeremy Roenick and some of those guys that were great guys that I got. But Gonzo was that stable kind of there every day, did it right. And then what Larry's done is... I mean, he's such a superstar as an athlete and as a person. And what um, he does off the field is amazing. Oh, it's amazing. Those guys, but there's a humility that's real. It's not a It's not a facade. It's not fake. I always joke and laugh with guys that, uh, I, I don't, maybe don't joke, I, I get annoyed when guys, like, I've worked so hard to get here. I'm like, I guarantee you there's somebody out there right now that's work, that's five three 115 pounds that would outwork you every single day of the week and do anything to have the frame the ability yeah. everything so it has nothing to do with work you that's a given like it's you, like rudy from yes the movie, how that movie was so spectacular oh, was, because he had nothing to work with but worked harder than everybody else and, and and there are so many people that would do that given the opportunity that that like Larry and and Gonzo and I have been given, that you better be humble and you better be appreciative and you better be in the moment and you better enjoy the fact that you've been given a God-given blessing. And that's it. And I'm not saying you didn't work hard, but that's a given. Like, working hard isn't something you compliment yourself for. Working hard is like, well, that's what you do. Like, you work hard. And if you don't do that, well, then, I mean, and obviously there's guys that are so talented that they can get away with it, but... I think that what makes Larry and, and Gonzo and Steve and, and and the guys that you'd mentioned so special, I mean, they're those guys are they've got that humility and that work ethic that goes with being talented. Well to your point, um I was Pop Warner teammates, Pop Warner football yeah, yeah, yeah. with Dion. Oh, Dion oh, Sanders what? and I. That would have been an un- Played two years together. No way. I watched him grow up. We're the same age. Played against my brother in high school football. How's he going, how's he going to do in Colorado? I think he's going to do really well. Did I you think, see him the other night where yeah. he got all those guys? Yeah. I was loving that. <laughs> I, I like the fact that he's building a team where he wasn't mad that they fought. He was mad that some of the guys walked away from the fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that he's going to get in college football. It's so important to get players to buy in and play for each other. If you can do that in college football, you can go a lot further. The talent of the body is a lot bigger than the talents of the individuals. Oh, yeah. And I think he's going to do really good things. But to watch him, even as a 12-year-old, he was a man among boys. But he had a work ethic. He's always been, for prime time and everything else, he was a humble guy yeah. um, and just worked hard. He, he, he was brash, and he made sure he lived up to it. And th- that work ethic and talent together. Oh, that's, I mean... It, it, that's what you have to have. You you have those two things, and you throw in humility, so it's not about you. And it's so funny because we all know that, like we all see it and know it. Mm-hmm. But it's still like there's an element of the the image that wants everyone wants to portray as kind of the brash look at me. But that's not what makes you successful. Yeah. It isn't. It's the it's the genuine humility. And I think you add those three things, and then. 
I think that's what you go through every great player, and you, that's what they have. Where does it come from with you? I know I've said this to you before, um, but I don't know if we've done it in this setting. Watching how I think leadership is such a unique quality. So I remember watching games and watching you be the first guy on the ice for warm-ups, and I watched you stand there and wait until every other player leaves the ice, and I watch you flip pucks to kids on the other side of the glass. <laughs> I watched you do all those things. Where does that attention to that kind of detail come from? In the biggest circumstances, too, I mean, big games, playoff games, where does that come from, that mentality, that dedication? Who gave you that? Well, I'm, I was blessed with incredible parents and an environment that I grew up in, and they taught me. I mean, it was drilled, not drilled, it was a, it was shown to me by so many people around me to be that everything I do, I do heartily as unto the Lord. Like, that's just what you do. And if you do that, then the pressure's gone, and, and you just get to do it in a way that's real. And it doesn't mean you're going to do it right because you're going to do a lot wrong lots, but um, that would be where the biggest thing. But it wasn't – and then, it, like, my dad was just an example of it. And there was no – there's no pretense about it. There's no, nothing like it's what's right. So you do what's right. And when you do it, you know, you love justly, love mercy and walk humbly. Like those like do justly, love mercy, walk humbly. That's what you do. And uh, and not in any, any way that's anything special. And trust me, there's lots of people that have seen me do the bad too. Like I'm not by any, but... It it is something that um, was drilled into me or shown to me when I was young, and I'm very fortunate that that happened. And I had one incident though that probably changed the most for me is I went to a Edmonton Eskimos football game when I was about 11 years old. My cousin took me, and he knew a player that played on the specialty teams, and I was and like I loved the CFL and the Eskimos, and so I'd go watch them, um, and then. After the game, he, the, the guy played specialty teams, didn't play a lot, but I got to go down and meet him. So I walked down and met him. My cousin took me down. My cousin about 10, 15 years older than me. So I, he was like 26, and they are the same age. And we sat and talked, and he didn't say anything to me other than he said hello at the beginning. And as I, and I said goodbye, and as I turned to walk, he's walk away. His name was Mike. Mike Withers, I think. And he's like, Shane, I'll see you later. And the fact that he knew my name at that moment... I literally came home and told all my buddies that, like in school, he we're friends, like we're buddies. And that little, I'm like, I still to this day can't believe that impact that that had on me. And I think that was probably one of the things that changed me the most. Was did that. I? So have, did I tell you this story? I was just telling somebody in the building this story today. My moment, my moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had rented a condo at um, Thompson Peak Parkway in Pima when I was going through a divorce. So I was living up in your hood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Saturday morning, I'm walking into the Safeway, and you're walking out of the Safeway. And you recognized me yeah. before I recognized you. And I thought, that's it. There's my moment. <laughs> Shane Doan remembered my name. So it's so funny you told that story, because at the time, I was fairly new in radio. Yeah. Um, but I had been such a huge fan. We had met on a couple of occasions. Yeah. And I was just blown away. I walked away and said, Shane Doan knows my name. <laughs> so it, you you paid it forward after well, the guy remembered you there we go. in Edmonton. But that's but again, that's such an important thing, was an important thing to a lot of people because we would all understand you do hundreds of interviews constantly with people, but yet you do make everybody feel like 
their interview and their questions important. I think that's a great trait. Oh, well, that's... Yeah, well, well, I can't uh, imagine you do it every time because I've heard some pretty dumb questions. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, there has been. While she, while she was always laugh because someone would do an interview and they'd, you'd be in some other building and someone would ask you a question that there's like something like that was a question that there was only one answer for it and everyone knew what the answer was for it. Yeah, and they'd want you to expand and like expand on it, but I would be like. You just like, and I'm not, and it's usually when I'd lose or if I wasn't, and I wasn't like grumpy very, but I'd be, it would just be one would be like, yes. And it would be, and, and he'd be, and they'd be like, and like, oh, that's all, that's all, that's all, that's it, that's all you're getting. And while she's like, ooh, okay, let's go on. Like, he'd, it was yeah. funny because, yeah, now there's times when, yeah, he gets away from you. Let's talk about the next generation because. You were teammates with Kachuk. Oh, yeah. And the two of you are probably the two best Coyotes that ever played the game. <laughs> I mean, you got to throw he in is. Roenick in there He's as well. He's the best. He's but the I'm best. saying you guys are the the Mount Rushmore of Coyotes are you guys. Um, he's got a son immensely successful. Oh. That is just tearing up the league. Two of them. Yeah. Two of them. They're yeah, just two of amazing. Them. And he now you've got a son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it better watching him... Or was it better playing? Oh, I have, I I full on have more joy watching him have success than I think I ever, like, uh, yeah. I think we're built to praise, and I think that when he does something that's, and I'm probably not very good at expressing it to him enough. I do it when I'm by myself or with my wife or. Yeah. And it, with all the kids, with all I have four kids, and uh, when they do something special, I seem to get more excited for them, and it's way, way more anxious. Like that part, I was way better to play. Like yeah. I, I'm worried about you know whatever goes on in a game, like that can happen in a game before a game starts. I'm like, oh my goodness, I never had that. I was anxious when the games were starting. Like I didn't. I knew that people were trying to hurt you, but it's like yeah, I'll be fine. I'll make. But now it's I'm anxious because I'm like, oh come on, bud, you got to be good. You got to be good. You got to be yeah. good. You gotta be. And then after the game, I'm like, oh, the joy and relief of the yeah. success is. I think it's better, but. Um, it's different because you've played. When you play, there is nothing like being in the competition. Right. Whatever that, game it is. Whatever. I don't care what game it is. If And at the highest level of your – like, it's funny. If your highest level is the NFL, then that's the best – that you enjoy that. Right. But if your highest level is high school football, that's the best. Like that, there is it is the same feeling at that level sure as is. it is when you know you're at your peak and you're competing and you're kind of losing, kind of winning, kind of losing, kind of winning, and you're going back and forth. Uh, there's something about that kind of on that edge of like, ooh, I don't know what's going to happen here. That's the best part to live. Well, there's an old saying that says a father is the only man who will be genuinely happy when you are more successful than he is. Yes, I agree. That's actually that's a really 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 good point. I agree with that, because that is something that that's what everyone's dream is. I think is, and my my like. Do you oh, talk to Kachuk about his kids? Yeah, we text and yours. Yeah, we just texted yeah, two days ago. I was texting them about. Oh, there's a 
My kids got me on TikTok. So See, I don't have TikTok. I don't have it either. I didn't even know. I don't know what my name is. I don't know anything. But, but they got an account for they, you? They'll send me stuff so that I can see and laugh at it. And someone, right. sent, me, someone sent me a thing of a Boston, like... A Boston argument, two cars driving at each other, and they'd be like, start yelling at each yeah. other, and it's F you, F you, back yeah, and forth, yeah, and, it's yeah. like, and it's just hilarious. And I sent it to Keith Yandel and to Keith Kachuk, and I was laughing, and we got another friend of mine from Boston, and I was laughing. So then we got talking, I was, we we're, you know, just about the boys, and, and I mean, his boys, Brady is a beast of a man, and Maddie is just what he's doing offensively is so special, and and it's, and and Taryn, his daughter, is an incredible. She's playing, I think, field lacrosse in maybe Maryland or yeah. something like that. She's just an incredible. She might be the best athlete of the three of them. So, um, but yeah, we got talking, and he's asking about Josh, and he's a big fan of Josh. So. He was um, Kachuk on the Coyotes. He was scary. Oh. Not yeah. at me. I don't know. I mean, you know him. I don't know him yeah, as a human yeah. being. But on the ice, that was a scary guy. Oh, and off the he. Do you know those guys that are like bullies that everyone loves? Yeah. Like I don't know how they pull it off, yeah. but they're capable of being like he knows that he cares about everybody, but he if there's a chink in your armor, he's going to poke yeah. it. I we, You've played with a couple of guys like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bissonette was not necessarily a, a quiet guy either. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not at all. And yeah, you're going to have to be ready. We when we played downtown at Phoenix, there was like so I was the youngest guy on the team for like three years in a row, and I would sit down at the one end of the of the dressing room, and in order to go to the bathroom at the other end of the, I had to walk this narrow like the dressing room was narrow because it was underneath the America West stands, yeah. so it was a narrow long dressing room. So I had to walk past like Keith Kachuk, Dave Manson, Jeremy Roenick, Rick Talkett, Dallas Drake, oh, and they would just ridicule you, and I would get up and be like, Ooh, I don't have to go to the bathroom. I think I'm going to wait. And I'm like, no. And I would go out the outside the dressing room, into the hallway, run down the outside where the fans were, and back into the dressing room in my gear at the other end, just and then back out that way so that I didn't have. Because and yet, they I love those guys. Like they're some of my favorite humans on the earth. Like they were unbelievable to me in the best way. But man, did they abuse you off right. the ice? It was so fun, it was, and I miss you miss that in the dressing room. I mean, any dressing rooms like that. And that's, Do you? That's the question because I've asked just about everybody. I've asked Gonzo is the same thing. Is isn't that what you miss? Yeah. It, it, you know, practice is always tedious or can be. Uh, the games, the travel, it's all part of the experience. But a lot of times, it's that, and people don't understand unless you're in that setting ever. There's just something about that time together that's irreplaceable. It is, and you know what? It's it's as important a piece of being a professional athlete as like, people don't understand how hard it is to fit in a dressing room. Like you fit in the dressing room, that's a, that carries a lot of weight, and you have the, a lot more comfort and ability to be uh, successful. And it is the best. It's the non-stop, no, like it's humbling, it's encouraging, it's terrifying, it's the safest place. It's like all these things that you're like, how can it be all of those? It is. It's I don't know how to explain it, but it's. Is it weird now that when you walk into the dressing room, um, you're always welcome? I, I think you'd be welcome in any dressing room in the NHL. But, but it's got to have the feeling that it's not your dressing room anymore. I remember, I remember walking out onto the ice. Teppo Newmanen was a guy that I most wanted to be like. I love Teppo Newmanen. I mean, him and Anne Moret were the classiest, gentlest, 
just good human beings. Temple was would never. He was just robotic in his approach. He comes back to Arizona. He's retired, and I'm about to go onto the ice and practice. And I would give anything for Repo to come out onto the ice and come into the dressing room. And I'm like, but he's not allowed in. Like he could never go back in. And I remember it's kind of like when they say like you ring that bell or you leave, like you're never allowed back in. And it's the most exclusive special club and you can't it's you can't buy your way in you can't force your way in it's either you just you get invited in and if you're capable you're stay and if you're not you're out and i don't know i it was it was one of those things as i was walking onto the ice it was like emotional for me to be like it's I, I, Teppo can't come like he's not he can't he can't yeah. do this and it was I want I would have given anything to have him come like put the gear on and come out and he couldn't at that point and I was like oh my goodness that's going to be me and it happened like that it was it was me <laughs> can we because there's so many things I want to talk to you about and we aren't going to have time for all of them but when you approach the end yeah um, when did you know it was coming. Like, when did you resign yourself to it? Yeah. And did it change the way you approached anything once you knew it was coming? Yeah. I I really struggled with it. There was, a, there was one year that I really struggled with it. And I read a, I read a good book, um, The Atomic Habit. It's a great book. Um, but it's not as much about the habit. I, it was about your identity. And I was like... I'd always been taught, like, I'm not a hockey player. I'm way more than that. You're more, you're, you're a person, you're... But it's inevitable. It becomes who you are. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you know, I, hey, you, it's not your identity, but it's going to be it's who you are. It's, right. it's what you are now. Like, yeah. you're, you're Mike. You're the, you're the big dog. I'm the talk guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody, and, and there's a comfort level that you've kind of, you wear that well, and now you're... And when you go to take that off and you're gone from that, I was really afraid. And and I could I was like, what's the point in everything else? Like, like what's the point now? Like, I'm never going to achieve higher than that. Like, if you wanted to go by just recognition, like, it's never going to get higher than that. And, and not that that was a big deal. And then as, when I was reading that book, it talked about how if your identity isn't rigid but flexible. And I started that year, I was really having a hard time. I started going through things that I'd learned from hockey and I was like well now I can handle failure I can handle success I can walk into a room full of alpha males and be comfortable I can take criticism I can I learn I'm edu- I, I'm coachable uh, I have an understanding of relationships understanding of people um, I've dealt with multi-million dollar contracts I've dealt with business on uh, with CBA stuff and all of a sudden I started going through all these things that I'm like wait I can take all this stuff that I've learned from playing hockey and go on to the next kind of and that's when the that's when I kind of got excited uh, I remember I was really upset because I wasn't playing very much and it was harder I wasn't as good as I wanted to be and I was getting kind of depressed about that and it was like oh man this is I, I, you, you kind of feel invincible until you're not, and then when you're not, it's like there's no pretending you ever can be again. Right. You know, I, yeah. And so I recognize that, and then I was like, wait, this is a whole new environment. I'm, I can learn. Now I'm going to be a supporting guy. Now I'm going to be a guy that, okay, I'm, 
I'm dealing with emotions. Now I got to go help someone else deal, that's dealing with emotions when I'm de- I'm not coming from it while I'm the captain and one of the better players on the team. I'm coming in from it. Hey, I'm trying to hold on here myself. Let's do this together. Let's work together and see if we can have success. And there was a whole nother area of learning that I was yeah. like, oh, now that got exciting. Now I'm like, okay, what am I going to learn today? I'm I'm mad at the coach. How am I going to handle that? And how am I going to deal with that in a way that's constructive and improves the situation instead of just throw my you know throw my tender tantrum and feel sorry for myself that's the only thing that saved me because i was getting it was getting darker and harder to kind of handle that and and when i retired i was shocked at how much i still struggled with it even though i thought i had a handle on what everything was going to do but it was it was good i learned it's tough i remember i was joking just before you came in here i was joking out in the uh, the room with some people you know a little older i'm older than you but older yeah and saying to them you know i remember when i was a kid saying age is just a number and now i want to go back and apologize to all those people because what a stupid only a stupid young person would say something like yes that. joking but not joking because yeah. in your head there's you still feel many times like you can do so much. Yes. And I look at things and I think I'm not in a morbid like I'm going to die way, but I'm closer to the end. Yeah, I know. A lot closer to the end than I am at the beginning. And that isn't that. A and I, I struggle with that right now. I don't know if I'm going through what you went through, oh. but I'm thinking about that now thinking how much time do I really have left? I know. And how much more do I want to accomplish? And what am I going to? Yeah. And what's the point of it all? Yeah. Like, really, what's the point of it all? Yeah. Like, I'm like. Like, I struggled with that with playing hockey a lot because I'm like, I don't save anyone's life. I don't make yeah. anyone's day better. Yeah, I you do. do. Well, I like, but I'm not like, it's not like they come to me and it's like, oh, if I could fix this for you, right. you'll be, or you need, you need, your house is burning down. I could put the fire out or right. I like, do you know what I mean? I'm like, I can make people feel an element of recognition and people, like you said, like, they're, I'm not, I'm not poo pooing that. I'm just saying, like, it's pretty – I always joked with our guys, like, whenever anyone would get feeling kind of high on their horse, I'd be like, well, you realize we're the court jester, right? Like, when everything gets serious, the court jester is out of the – he's out of the castle in a hurry. Yeah. Because we're the side entertainment that's distracting right. everybody from what's going on in the real world. So don't ever think you're more than just the court jester, and that's the first person that's out of the out of the castle yeah. when everything gets serious. Um so there is an element of that that I always struggled with today. Then, then, then I found that there's a whole bunch more to it than that, and that's an over, kind of reducing it, and re, you know, that's that's not real. So what does it for you now? What is, what gives you satisfaction? Have you found a way to have that fulfillment now? Uh, well, I will never. I've accepted the fact I'll never ever feel that feeling of playing hockey again. Okay, which was hard. Because I love to compete. Like, there's an element that I love to compete and see if I can win. That's, that's, that's never going to come back. But I think I enjoy helping. If I feel like I can help somebody, like, I enjoy if there's an element that you can connect with someone, help with someone. I really started to like to read quite a bit, and I enjoy that, where you're like, I'm learning, and that's if I if I keep trying. And I know that sounds like so simple. No. But if I find that I'm learning, then I'm finding that I'm I, I'm I'm doing good. And 
and that's probably a big part of it. Well, recently, just to that to that point about helping other people, uh, we just saw each other. That's how I yeah. got you hooked into yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were at Phoenix Children's, yeah. and you were there as a surprise guest of a mom yeah. who had this daughter who has been gone through so much. Yeah. And just when she saw you, she lit up. <laughs> Can you tell a little bit of that story? Do you, I mean, uh, how that happened? Yeah, though they reached out to me and... Uh, um, Leighton was her daughter, and she got became a big part of the Coyotes. Yeah. And uh, Carly and and what their family went through was very very difficult. And Jeremy and um, when they said that they're doing something with Children's Hospital, and they're like, hey, Carly's going to be there. She was here with Leighton um, the last time because of COVID and everything. We're going to present her with a bear. Would you be happy? I was like jumped at the opportunity because I love Jeremy and Carly and their their three kids and. Um, they're just an incredible family. And that's one of those things that when you say that hockey doesn't matter, he had the opportunity to really have an influence on their family and, and, and have the ability to help them. And they've had an equal impact on all of us. But that was one of those things that uh, as a dad, it's you, when you see parents that are dealing with stuff that I don't know how they deal with it, you jump at the opportunity to carry some of the load if you can and help them and make them feel, let them understand that it matters and it's important and they're important. And that was really all it was. The significance of playing in the NHL and playing at the highest level, and now you say to someone, I'm going to Phoenix Children's to surprise somebody with a bear for a radio give-a-thon. <laughs> yeah. They would, to a lot of people, pale in comparison. But... I can't imagine you saying no. No. I can't imagine that, that you know what I mean? That <laughs> yeah. that wouldn't be every bit as important that, because let's, let's face it, the traffic getting down there, the hiding around the corner and waiting and everything else, but there's no way you'd have said no to that. No. Well, that's, it's Carly and, and, and their family, and it's PCH and what they do. Like, we're lucky to have PCH as a, as a, as a city. I hope as people a, never have to find that out. Oh. But if you ever have a child that needs to be there. You're gonna kiss the ground oh, outside of that building. What they do in the in the, uh, I am so. I I had one experience where my one daughter. We were in the hospital in Edmonton for eight to ten days, and it was intense. And I had a whole new element of understanding, and it was. But what they do at the Children's Hospital here is just it's it's incredible. Yeah. And so, a it was the Children's Hospital calling, so I'm not saying no to them. And it's Carly, so I'm not saying no to them. And if it's you're able to do the right thing, you do the right thing. Like that's, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like it you, is that simple. Yeah. And you know what? Um, this will sound like a name dropping. I got to I got to be friends with Senator McCain. I uh, me too yeah, for a long time. And I love Senator McCain. And I remember we were we were sitting down one time. I was like, Sir, how do you, you know, how what what have you what did what made you so successful? Like, what is it? What's your key? He's like, I think, Shane, you just do the right thing. And he said, and you know what the right thing is. I'm not saying you always do it. He's like, but when I've done the right thing, even if it's not popular and even if it's not right in everyone else's eyes, but I believe it's right, it's always paid off. And when I've went against what I think was right and I've done what I was kind of felt was what was supposed to do, those times cost me. Yeah. And he's like, so for me, <clears throat> he's like, I just, uh, okay, what's the right thing to do? And I try to do it. Let me go back to something. I'm glad you brought him up because he was so kind to me. Oh. 
um, when he was diagnosed uh, with the brain cancer, um, he came home and he started his treatment. When his treatment was done, his people reached out to me and he came in the studio with me and he said, um, I wanted to start my journey back here. No way. And he made me cry. Yeah. But he was always so kind to me as a human being. He was just a kind man. Oh. But I want to go back to what you talked about in the dressing room. And it's a weird analogy, but tell me if you think it fits. When I would talk to him about his time in a POW camp, he always had a smile on his face. Yeah. And I asked him, how could you be in a place that injured you so badly, that treated you so horribly? How in the world can you smile about that place? And he said he made some of the deepest friendships that he'd ever made in his life mm -hmm. and had so much respect for the people to walk out of that atmosphere but have a good, a good attitude about it was because of the people he was there with. Is that similar just in that way? When you talk about that dressing room, those relationships are what you remember. That's it. That, that is 100% it. I think we are designed to have relationship with, like that's what we are designed for. And in those environments, not comparing in any way, but in environments where you develop real deep relationships and you and you cultivate them and you grow them and you and and you see people struggle and see people succeed, that's what makes the dressing room special. And then you, I mean, whatever. Like I couldn't imagine what Senator McCain experienced and what he got. How, the, how what those what those. Did he ever like, tell you stories about? Yeah, it? he did. You know what? I got to meet a lot of people. I do. I get to love meet so many people, and the majority of the time probably one the same for me when they meet me is eh, not quite as much there as you thought like when you meet them when you meet them you're I like know what you're saying you're like that's uh, he's he's famous and I understand who yeah. uh, like there's a lot that I recognize but there's it's not very deep it's right. usually fairly shallow he's the one guy that it was like there's so much more here and there's so it's so real and authentic that I was I was floored by it. But. Um, I had a conversation with him. This is so off topic, but I want—I just want to talk about this oh, with yeah. you because you'll appreciate it. Um, and I don't know if he told you this story, but um, I, we were talking about the First Amendment and talking about the right to speak. And uh, we talked about burning the flag. And he said, you know, I just have a whole different opinion on burning the flag. And he said, let me tell you a story. And there was a guy that he was in the POW camp with, and they had uniforms they had to wear. And this guy had sewn an American flag inside of his uniform and every night before they ate dinner they got a bowl of soup or whatever at night for dinner they would all stand and he would open his jacket and they would say the pledge of allegiance and when the uh, captors found out that he had that in his uniform they beat him almost to death and threw him back in the room with with McCain and all of the other guys and they nursed this guy back to health and as soon as he was healthy enough he sewed another flag inside his next uniform so his analogy was, I have a completely different opinion than a lot of people do. And to be in a studio and listen to him tell those stories, I thought all of the politics and all of the other things aside, this is what an amazing perspective on life that he had. And not a lot of people got to see it mm -mm. because they wanted to ask him about the political commentary of the day. Mm -hmm. But he had so much more to give. Oh, it was he. Yeah, I was. He took he told me the story, my favorite, he just, yeah, you're right. Like he just had so much, it was so much deeper than just, 
he wasn't playing a game. And I no. feel like I feel like sometimes now we get caught, at least in politics, people get caught up in playing games. Like, how are you going to, what's what's the plan? How, yeah, what's, what's the angle? What's the angle we're playing? It was like, no, this is just who I am. And if I think this is right, I'm going to do it. And if I think it's wrong, I'm not going to do it. And unless you can convince me I'm wrong, which is going to be very difficult because I'm fairly, you know, he was resolute in what he thought. But he would listen. Like, yeah. that was, I we would sit around, we I was sitting at a table the one time, and there was six Democrats and six, six Republicans sitting at the table, and he was make, he was barbecuing for them, and I'm sitting there, and um, Grant Woods was with and me. And Grant yeah. Woods were sitting there, and I'm just like, I don't belong in this room. I don't belong. It was, we were outside. It wasn't even room. It was at a table. We we're outside at the uh, up by Cornville there. Yeah. And, and, and we're like, I'm like, this is crazy. And he would just be burying some Democrat, uh, one of the senators, um, and, and actually Booker was there at the one of the Booker wow. was one, and, and he would they were going at it, and then he turns to me, he's like Shane, you know what? Unbelievable guy, he should, his wife, da, 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 and it yeah. wasn't it was this wasn't on Bo Booker that time, but it was someone else. He's like, oh, his wife, just the most amazing, and his kids, his son is da 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 da, and then I can't stand, yeah. like, why do you think this? And but oh my goodness, and then he'd smile at me and be like. Other than their policies, they're great people. Like, and I was like, it opened my eyes to this whole like, oh wow, like this guy's got. He, he told me a story in his office in D.C. right before the inauguration of Trump in 2017 in January. I was in his office with him in D.C. and we did a television interview, and then we sat around like you're talking about. Yeah. And he said that uh, there was there were two freshman senators on the floor, a Democrat and a Republican, arguing, yeah. debating on the floor, and. Um, McCain had gotten word that this was going on, and he went to the floor to stand behind and support the Republican senator. And Ted Kennedy had come in <laughs> to stand behind the Democrat, and he said, before long, Kennedy and I are standing like this, screaming at each other on the floor, just screaming at each other on the floor. And when it was all over, Ted Kennedy and I walked off the floor together, and Kennedy went, and hey, we did pretty good. <laughs> he said, and that's the way the relationships used to be. Yeah. He yeah. said, Ted Kennedy was the only person that could go on the Senate floor and rip you to pieces and then walk off the floor and convince you he wasn't talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that, again, that's, go back to hockey, on the ice. Oh. It's that battle, battle, battle out of mutual respect. Mm-hmm. And when it's over, you shake hands in mutual respect. You go your separate ways. But next time we see each other. We're going at it. Oh, yeah, 100%. That was probably, I was involved in the CBA, some of the CBA negotiations, and I got really involved with them in the the 2011-12 one. And the owners were all sitting at the table, and they were... As a player, it was it was a negotiation. It was it was hard. I didn't like I didn't like what they were saying. Um, it felt like they were personally attacking me, and I was like, they didn't. You don't respect me. You don't appreciate what we do, and blah blah blah. And it's, it's going back and forth. And I was really mad. Like I was really, and I can get like I was taking it really personal. And after the after it was all said and done. I'm walking out, and my daughter at this time was. This was when my daughter was in the hospital. One of them walked over to me and was like, "Shane, I just wanted to see how your daughter's doing." And my first instinct was like, "You don't, don't you even? Yeah, what, keep her, keep her, or keep her name out of her mouth." Anyways, no, <laughs> no. But they asked, they asked me, and uh, and I was like at first, and then I could tell like they were genuinely wanted to know, and all of a sudden it dawned on me like, wait a minute. When we're in that room, that's their rink, and they're going to do everything they can to make me mad and to make to to get the best deal possible. And when we leave that boardroom, 
this is this is life and this yeah. is and I was like it changed my whole, I'm like oh okay I don't like this and I got it's going to take me a while to learn this but I get it this is I you can do whatever we want not whatever we want but I know like, what you mean yeah but like and then I was like and for him for Senator McCain I it was there was the best example of it like you can you can disagree and argue with people and yet at the same time you can. You can you can be friends. And, and he got worked up. Oh, he, he did. didn't pull punches. He no, was a guy that when it came time to argue, he got. I was with him. I was with him when um, Mike Pence called and asked. He'd been asked to be the vice president, and he called Senator McCain and asked him if it was all right. And Senator McCain was like a hundred percent. It's all right. That man may be the president of the United States. Yeah. We defend the office, and it's the office. It's not the man. And if you have an opportunity to serve him, you serve him the best you can. Yeah. And you do everything you can because it's constitutional. And he went on about how and he's going to need good people around him. He's going, And you have to be there. And... And and Mike Pence was kind of trying to figure out if he wanted like okay am I if I step into this how does and he needed Senator McCain's yeah uh, I should say Vice President Pence I he needed the advice from Senator and Senator McCain who at the, obviously everyone knows their little beef between the two oh, of them they didn't like each other yeah there's yeah. no doubt no no yeah but he's he was like instantly like no this isn't about us this is about this country. is with the country and everyone. And it's not about you. It's about everyone. So let's do that was I remember that moment where I'm like, I didn't understand it all at the time. I did. I, I kind of knew it because I was upset with, you know, different things that was said about about Senator McCain and Me too. And, and the family was, too. And so I was like, OK. And, but then to see him be so generous and kind and gracious and be like, no, 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 no. You need to help him. And we got to help him. And I was like, holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, and he, I saw the same thing from it. Yeah. And it was just an amazing life. I got two more questions before yeah. I let you go because your wife's going to be angry. Oh, no, 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 no. She's, um, she's good. She's good. So, first of all, I want to talk about hockey. Oh, yeah, yeah. The future of hockey in Arizona oh, yes. and what's going on here. Yes. Can you give me some perspective? Because it is my hope that they settle on this something here in the East Valley that I really believe that being somewhere like that would be such a big move for hockey in Arizona. Do you agree? Oh, I think it would be huge. I think we, and when I say we, I mean the Coyotes as an organization when I played for five, six different owners and four different general managers and 370, 400 players. So we, as a group, yeah. made it difficult on on people to be fans of the Coyotes at times because it was such a tumultuous kind of, we're leaving, we're staying, we're going, we're winning, we're losing, we're doing. Like, it was so, it wasn't easy to be a Coyotes fan over the, you know, from all the time mm-hmm. that I played. Um, and even now, it's, it's, uh, it's been difficult because it seems to always be going, you know, up and down. If they get it stable... And they get it in a building that's a little bit more centrally located. It's a home run. I don't care. Everybody in Canada and the north, they can yell at me all they want. It's a home run here. I understand this market and I see this market. And I believe that Gary Bettman sees the market for what it is as well. It's a home run here. It has to be done right. Look at South Florida. Look look at at Tampa. 
Tampa okay, is so, the best example. So I have a buddy that lives in downtown Tampa, um, and he's been there forever. Huge Lightning fan. Of and they not. said, And we talked about sports, and he said, Arizona has the opposite problem uh, that we do. Hockey team, downtown. Packed arena, everybody goes. Baseball team, long drive, tons of games, hard to get your family there on a weeknight and get them home. Yeah. We're in the exact opposite place. Yep, exactly. And he said that if you could get an arena, you get into a building downtown or in a you know in the metropolitan area nothing against glendale no no it's no, great no, for no. football yeah, i but, agree but to get a family from downtown phoenix or from the east valley to have their kids come to a game and it's such a family friendly environment on a weeknight for yep. a game is difficult but if you're there you've got a much better fan base with season tickets and it's just it seems to be like you said a home run and i'm glad you agree because i'm just i'm a hopeful fan oh, you know the game yeah i and i believe it with all my heart i don't and i'm not saying that it can't work in other cities like i like people are like what about here what about i'm like you're right it could work there i don't know those cities i know this city i know it works i know that it would be successful you just have to have some stability and, and it's the fastest growing county oh, in the country it's crazy and it's and and it's uh, you know it's a office space a office space is big because that drives your whole corporate side and that's centrally located it has nothing to do with with you know scottsdale glendale phoenix tempe mesa it has nothing to do with that it has everything to do with location of cent- being centrally located you you go to the different companies that have had success and you talk to them and they will tell you it's location location sure. location like you're in the right spot you're going to be successful you're in the wrong spot i'm not saying you can't have moments where you're successful because you can but if you want to be reliable and durable you have to have location and and i think with all of the people from the north and all the people from canada that come down and all the people that have been here now the coyotes have been here for 20, I guess, going on 27 years, there's a foundation that started that is going to work, but you can't just, it's going to have to be stable and it's going to have to be legit. And from the casual fan point of view and someone that would go to a game and when somebody's, you're in town for business or you're here with friends and someone, hey, you want to go to a game tonight? It's a lot easier to jump a few miles down the freeway yeah. in a centrally located location and to say, we got to get an Uber or we got to find our way to Glendale. We're going to have a couple of beers at the game. Do we really want to be driving home after that? It's Wednesday night. We got to work tomorrow. Yeah. I know that sounds silly, but for a lot of people, that decision that's made, what do you want to do? Hey, do you want to go to a game Wednesday night when you have a lot of weeknight yeah. games? That's a big decider, especially if you're going to take the kids. Oh, my goodness. It's it's reality. That's all it is. It's the reality of what life is. And you, I, that's the part that I I don't mean. I mean, it's it's over. It's an oversimplification of it. But that's what reality is. You can't you can't pretend to exist inside a vacuum. The team has to understand that the or like the league understands it. The team understands it. People have to understand it, that that's the way it works. And hey, I would love 
to have an NHL team in my hometown. My hometown has 75 people. There's no one. Right. There's no NHL team. I, we would all go. We would all support it. But it just not. It, <laughs> the reality is that doesn't work. So, and it's not that I'm right. mad that the Edmonton Oilers are in not in Halkirk, but they're not. So that's the way it is. And people aren't going to drive. Yeah, all miles and miles to get to your hometown, hometown for exactly the, to watch a hockey game. So speaking of that, because that's my last question. This is something we share that a lot of people don't know about you is your love for the sport of rodeo. Yes. Yes. Growing up the way you did, um, we have a very close friend in common, Cody Custer. Oh, yeah. Cody taught me to ride bulls. No way. Yeah. Now, <laughs> he wouldn't want that because I was so bad at it. Well, I can't want... believe you. You're crazy. If you're getting on those bulls, you're But cr- didn't you? I rode, I rode steers and I rode like two or three bulls that we had at home. But nothing. Th- I, I got too heavy. Like, I was like 200 pounds at like 15. And the steers can buck. And so, like, I, my buddies were riding steers, and they're like 115 pounds, and they're bucking, and they get scoring. I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. steer can't buck a 200. Steers are only, you know, 600-pound steer. I can't buck a 200-pound guy as well. Well, I have. I saw a picture, a picture, I think it was in your dressing room, you and Cody yep. talking to each other. Yeah. Um, as a professional athlete, now I just was a starstruck when I came oh. here. And my stories, how I met them is kind of crazy. I moved to Arizona in 95 because I wanted to be a bull rider. No way. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I love the sport so much, I'm going to try it. Yeah. So that's how I started. Was And I. <laughs> someone said, I met, I met his brother who has passed away. His brother Danny died years ago. But I met his brother Danny at a place called Mr. Lucky's down in oh, downtown no. Phoenix. And I just happened to meet this guy. And I said, I just, I just want to learn. He goes, you come out to Westworld on Saturday night. My brother will teach you. And I said, who's your brother? And he said, Cody Custer. And I said, your brother's not Cody Custer. <laughs> he got mad at me. I'm not a liar. That's my brother. Sure enough, I showed up, just showed up at the arena. No way. And walked up and said, I'm looking for Cody Custer. And he said, I'm Cody. And I said, I just want to learn the rodeo business. And I ended up running their rodeo company for a couple no of years. No kidding. Yeah. I did not know yeah. that. No. I was a terrible bull rider. Horrible at it. But it was the I love that sport so much. But as you, as a professional athlete, have got to have such respect for a world champion. Oh, it's it's so funny because I I'm in my family I got bull riders, bareback riders, um bulldog steer wrestlers, um some saddle bronc guys and I mean those guys they are a whole nother level of tough. And I was a good hockey player. Like I'm not saying I wasn't good. I was probably maybe in the you know, you get into the top my best year would have been in the top twenty five maybe. Yeah. I wasn't getting paid if you're a top 25 rodeo guy. Uh-uh. You have to be in the top five to get Like, you're right. top five guys here making money. Those guys, to be world champion, to be the best at something, it's not just a little bit. You are, like, elite. And those guys, oh, As man. Far, and how far that sport's come because oh. Cody won the world championship in 92. And I think he set a record that year for money for the year yeah. at about 340000 Yeah, 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 yeah. And now they get a million for winning the PBR for one yeah. event. So that was my next question. Do you follow the PBR? Yeah. Do you watch? Yeah. I'm, I'm such a fan. Oh. I like the teams. Oh, I know. Um, but they, they've had such a cool, they've done such a cool of coming up with not a gimmick, but a, a way to draw you in. It's, it's interesting because I think Liv is trying to do, like if you watch what Liv's yeah. trying to do, yeah. they're, trying, they're trying to do the same thing that the PBR did a little bit. Like they're, they're, It's a different environment, but yeah. But I think the other thing the PBR has done really well, 
I just like the fact we're talking about a whole oh, different thing than hockey yes, with you. Yes. But I love that the PBR has focused on the bulls. Oh, yeah. You know, like horse racing, we don't even know who the jockeys are. Yeah. We know the horses. Yeah, yeah. But in the sport of bull riding, the bulls are as oh. famous and cheered for. That race to see who's going to be the world champion oh. bull is as cool to watch. you got to watch the bulls' outs and the scores. Oh. To, and the same thing, when they crown a champion bull rider, then when they crown that bull, oh. everybody's excited. Oh. That's a cool addition. It is so... And I mean, it started with like Red Rock and Bodacious when those guys oh. started to... like. I love it when you go, you take people to go watch bulls and they're yeah. like, oh my goodness. I was like, you know what? You can watch this bloodline of that bull. He'll yeah. come back with his head. Like when he like comes bodacious. back. Like bodacious. And they had to outlaw that because you couldn't do this. And yeah, I'm like, it's such a, it's such a science inside of an absolute horrific crash. It's a science. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's. And well, when Sammy Andrews retired that bull. Yeah. Um, I remember a couple of the guys, the Cody and the other guys, were saying, you know, everybody thinks that's a good thing, except now they're going to put him Permission. out to stud. And there's going to be and in five years. <laughs> there's going to be five more of them. Exactly. That's the worst. Yeah. And you can see it in the. You can, like, you see that move that they when they hit the ground and he comes back with his head. You go back and it's like, oh, there he is. There's yeah. there's there's a bodacious. That's, yeah. It's I so I raise horses. Yeah. And I got bloodlines, and so I got a couple studs. That stuff was when I get so jazzed about all the the bloodlines of you know uh, smart Chicolina, and then all of a sudden you're into you know Mercury Cow, all these different like horses and stuff, and and but it's all it's really. F- it comes from the cattle companies because those bulls and those the way that they're bred and the way that they, because there's always bred for size and meat, and then now they turn them straight into they're athletes. athletes. Now they're just straight athletes. And the you as a professional athlete have to respect what great athletes these young guys oh. are. Injuries in your sport, a lot of them. Because yeah. it's a dangerous sport. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know it's coming. Yeah. And hockey players are known to play through injuries. Oh, yeah, you yeah. play hurt. Yeah. Can't play injured sometimes, but you can play hurt. Yeah. Those bull riders dudes, are injured. They are insane. <laughs> we we went to we went to the PBR. Wayne Gretzky and their company bought the PBR like years yeah. ago. So as he he bought the PBR, we go to the first one, one of the first ones that he owned the team owned the PBR, and we go to it. And <laughs> there's a kid. He gets hurt, and uh, he's walking around with a limp. And we come over and we're talking to him, and he's and they're like, "What happened?" He's like, oh, I, I broke my leg," and da 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 da. And they're like, "Oh, how long are you out for?" No, no, I'm I'm riding tonight. I'm riding tonight. Well, yeah. well, 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 no, it's I mean it's it's fractured. It's not broken, broken. It's just fractured. But I can spur. I just gotta. Yeah. It just it's gonna hurt when I land. Yeah. I'm like, oh, these guys are like. <laughs> and the doctors. That's the funny thing is they're telling doctors I have to figure out a way to get a spur on my cast. <laughs> yeah. How do we? Like, Oh, I Isn't know. that crazy? They are, or the, the guys that tape their the arm arms. up because they have the dislocated shoulder and they don't want their arm to straighten out. It's it's just, or they pop their like how many guys they see pop their like bicep and like yeah. roll it right down into their wrist. Yeah, and they're like, or rolls it down to their elbow and they're like. Pop my bicep. I tore my, I tore my bicep. Oh, 100%. If you're riding bulls, well, you're probably... But I, no, I tore my bicep lifting weights. Oh, yeah. And I was out for three months. 
You didn't get on a ball? No, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. <laughs> I lifted my bottle of water with the other hand. There you go. But to watch them, and that's I, that's why I love the sport so much. Oh. And I was terrible at it, but I loved it while I was involved. I'll never forget the experience. And it's those people. Again, it's the professionalism, the dedication, the love they have for the sport. And it's funny to talk to people that if like Cody has gone on, and what he does now is he coaches. He's known for his rodeo schools yeah. around the country. Yeah. A, a professional rodeo hall of famer and everything yeah. else and the accolades of the PBR but he's teaching the next generation and that's where he gets his joy is watching these young guys learn it the right way yeah and I, and when you ask like what do you do now like what do you get that there there's no question when you can pass on experience experience on to someone that's younger it's always exciting the funniest thing is that no one actually listens to to like wisdom until you've actually experienced it mm-hmm. you may shorten your window of learning like if if i if i did something and it took me 15 tries to figure it out and someone came along and told me and i did it i would still do it probably one more time and then be like oh they told me how to do this i'm going to do it their way it's so funny that people don't like to listen. Like, they're, uh, it's always hilarious to me, especially bull riders and those guys, because those old guys will be like, "Don't do that! Don't don't do that!" And then someone will go and do it, and it doesn't work, and then they they learn quickly. Those guys learn by doing the wrong thing like a hundred times. Hundred times. But now you see these young kids that are just—they're learning so fast, and and Cody and Ty and those guys, what they're teaching guys, and then in every sport, it's like. The kids are just so talented and so good, and it's they slow down the the bull riders. You watch them take video of like this bull. He plants that. He's turning here. It's like crazy. It's so fun to watch. I Who was that. your favorite athlete? Do you have someone in your head was your favorite athlete of all time? Um, I loved Michael Jordan. Yeah, I did. I loved like he was the first time when I saw saw an athlete that I was like, that's different than everyone else. Like, how can he do the things he could? Um, but I, I, I'm trying to think. My favorite athlete, Bo Jackson. That's I, mine. I love Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson's yeah. the greatest athlete of my lifetime. Yeah. I heard that Jim, was it Jim Thorpe? Yeah. Was, yeah, like I heard that before Bo was Jim, Jim Thorpe, like those guys that can do, we laugh and joke about Isaiah Simmons. I'm like, I don't know if he's good at football, but He's my favorite athlete. Like yeah. I love watching that guy. Yeah. Like, and but those two guys, those those guys are my one of my my favorites. I think only second only to Bo Jackson was Ray Lewis. Oh yeah, because well, first of all, he was a Miami Hurricane. Oh yeah, so he was a Hurricane, but he was one of those guys, kind of like you, that. Everything he did was for the team. He yeah. realized he was sold out to an organization. Yeah. Or an organization, I should yeah. say. Um, <laughs> he was sold out to the team. Yeah. And everybody on the team would follow him through a wall because they knew he'd lead them through the yeah. wall. Yeah. That's kind of a cool thing. It is. And he, that's that belief that, yeah, that's special. That's, that's that belief in that there's an ultimate better good and you can do stuff that, like, if you're as a group, you can be better than as an individual. And I, I think that's, yeah. I agree. Ray Lewis is—he's an intense man. Whole, you see that guy do interviews, see him do anything—it's crazy. There's a one of the, I guess, thirty for thirties. One of the ESPN special shows um, the that Baltimore Ravens team winning the Super Bowl, and oh. it takes them through that year, and they got a bunch of them on the stage, and even in the laid back, he's sitting in a chair like this. You can tell he's just as intense now as he ever was. Yeah, that's cool. You know, those are those guys, those guys that are transcending that. That you know, and I don't care what sport you're in, you see it and you're like, okay, that's special. Yeah, you, you can, 
it's right now for us in hockey it's um you don't you might not know anything about hockey you come watch us play watch our sport and you're like, man, that Connor McDavid guy, Yeah, he's quite a bit better than everyone else. I don't know what they're trying to do, but whatever that guy, 97, is doing, he's unbelievable. And that 34, the other guy, he's he, the, the Austin Matthews kid, he shoots a puck, or whatever they're doing with that little black thing, he shoots it better than everybody else. Like, it's crazy when you yeah. see that special talent. It's fun. It is. Even it really and is. I'm sure even as a professional athlete, you had to respect it. Oh, Even yeah. in an opponent, you got to respect oh, what yeah. they're, able, they're able to do. Yeah, like that was there is that feeling when you'd, you'd be going against somebody and you'd feel their strength. Like you'd be going down the ice and someone would come across and they'd lean on your hip chair or something. You'd be like, who's yeah. that? Like, yeah. I got I to keep my eye on who is that that just leaned yeah. on me there? Or someone would shoot a puck or someone skate by you and you'd be like, oh my goodness, okay, <laughs> that guy's. And anybody that's never been to, to a game that watches it on TV, it's great to watch on TV, but the intensity and the sound of the impact oh, yeah, yeah, into the yeah. boards yeah, yeah. or any other the impact because of the speed of the game yeah 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 i don't know how people i don't know how you guys walk away from some of those hits and you just keep playing yeah. but it is you can hear it everywhere <laughs> in the arena yeah that's pretty cool that is it's so funny cuz the well, i would always joke like if you just get missed and they hit the boards and it sounds like they just missed you and they just crushed the yeah. boards that was worse because now the fear of that hit actually would linger. If they hit you, it was like, oh, that hurt, but I'm okay. It's I, over. It's, it's yeah. over. But now you're like, man, he almost killed me. Yeah. Now I got a fear. I'm worried about it's it for like, that. I'm like, oh, it's great. Like running now, in traffic. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, I appreciate all this time. I have no idea how long we went, but um, I could talk to you forever. Oh, likewise. This, man. Is, this is great. I appreciate the time. Um, you know how much we appreciate you being still here in the Valley and your time with us with the Coyotes, but just to be able to share some of the stuff people didn't know, I can't thank you. Oh, enough, this man. is, I, hey, this is, I've been obviously a fan since we, you and I met the first time, and it's been. It's, when you asked, I'm like, yep, I, well, I can make. I can make time for this. This will be fun. That was fun because I thought, well, he's not gonna. Is he really gonna show up? And you're like, no, I'm doing it. I said, all right, we're, yeah. we're gonna nail you down. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate. Well, the time. I, good luck with this too, because this it's is so cool. much fun. It's it's such a good idea because I am. This is home for me now, and the state of Arizona is unique, and uh, I think the history that's here. It was funny. My favorite my favorite movie growing up. Which I had no idea. I'd never been to Arizona. Was Tombstone? Yeah, great movie. Oh, it's a great movie. I always joke and laugh about it because it was my favorite movie growing up. And so then to now be here is never in my wildest dreams. I think I'd end up in Arizona. Well, I've gotten you now and Gonzo. Yeah. You guys got to get me Larry. Yeah, Larry's got to get that. Larry's got to get on there and get we got to get him here. Yeah, I agree. so you got to tell him he's got to get on. Yeah, the, he's yeah. got to get on the podcast. I, I, Put in a good word I, for I, him, Shay. I'll shoot him a text. I'll shoot him a text. <laughs> All right, I appreciate it. All right, thanks. thank you. Thanks so much, Shane Dome. Discover more amazing Arizonans with Mike Broomhead at KTAR.com, the KTAR News app, or wherever you get your podcasts.